Get a job. Work hard. And one day you can retire and do the things you want. That's the typical formula for daily life in the modern world. And it works for lots of people. This kind of life is perfect. But it's not for us. And I'm guessing that it's not for you either. I'm David Allen Patali. And I'm Carmen Allen Patali. And together we run the content company Red Platypus. I'm also a published fiction author. And we have two young daughters who keep us on our toes. We've both said no to well paid jobs in favour of pursuing our creative paths. And we want to walk them with you. Freelancer, digital nomad, artist, creative, self employed. Whatever you want to call it, if you work for yourself and want to keep it that way, or want to be free from the nine to five and don't know where to start, we want to help. We're going on a journey to speak to committed creatives, people who are all in, who have made highly successful businesses out of their creativity, and ask them how they do it while retaining the magic. Because while we think inspiration is good, we've come to learn that process is vital. Welcome to the Committed Creative Podcast, your toolkit for the creative life you want. Here's to going all in and becoming a committed creative. This week on the Committed Creative Podcast, I talk to Geraldine Ray, who is the founder or co-founder of Suzette Collective, which is an event company that also represents artists in the music industry. Geraldine is French, totally inspirational, buzzing with creativity, and she has a lot to give in this podcast. We talk about how she made the shift from graphic designer to event manager and entrepreneur, how she found her business partner and how she's made this partnership thrive, how she runs an events company through tough times like COVID and also manages to grow it and see it boom and how she finds talent to represent in the Perth music industry. Our chat was really insightful. It was a lot of fun and I hope you enjoy it. Let's dive in. Well, welcome. Thanks so much for coming on the Committed Creative Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. It's really good to have such a creative soul on the podcast to uh, share their work and what it is they do and how they got to running their own business. So perhaps maybe for everyone who doesn't know you, you could start by introducing yourself and um, how you founded your business, a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, thank you, Carmen, for having me on your podcast. Really appreciate the invitation. Um, and yes, my name is Geraldine Ray. Um, I'm in my mid-40s and I arrived in Australia in my mid-20s. So it's been almost 20 years that I'm here based in Western Australia. Um, I had a beginning of career in the graphic design and web design and web development space, which I really enjoyed and I found very challenging on a daily basis. Um, and I decided bit by bit to um, dive into another industry, which is the events and the music industry. So this is where uh, my new business is um, operating right now. It's been uh, created in 2017, so it's been already five years. Um, but yeah, just uh, the first few years were quiet. So um, I was still doing that at the same time as the other activity, and it's only been two years that I'm effectively 
working full time on uh, on this new business called Suzette Collective. So what made you make the switch from graphic design to entertainment, the entertainment it's industry? It's a bit of a mix of a few things. Uh, first of all, um, I found that I was not getting challenged enough in my previous activity. Uh, I probably could have got myself challenged a little bit more, <laughs> but I guess I lost a little <laughs> bit of interest. Um, and I was also working on my own. I was self-employed at that time. Um, which is quite different than when you work in an agency, for example, when you get stimulated every day and you've got a little bit more access to uh, maybe innovation and this kind of things. Uh, I didn't really seek uh, for it when I was self-employed, so I guess I lost a little bit of interest there. Uh, but also I was absolutely attracted almost like a magnet to that music space and event space. Um, I already had a foot in there. I was a performer myself, singer-songwriter. And a lot of people I was um, hanging out with or talking to were asking me for services. So most of the time I would do that on a uh, as a freebie or just because I wanted to help mm-hmm. them. And I also got involved in 2017, actually for, for three years, I got involved in the French festival of Perth called Bonjour Perth Festival. And that gave me quite a lot of experience to then develop a professional activity out of it. Um, then we also had, uh, obviously, a big pandemic, <laughs> which um, I think I'm sure, I'm sure everyone sort of, had had this moment at that time when we reflected on, you know, what am I doing? Is it really what I want to do? Uh, what are my aspirations for the future? So it was a combination, a little bit of all of that. However, the local scene at that time was very vibrant because there was no touring acts coming to WA. Uh, at the same time, events also were a little bit starting to, to pop up here and then because we had those lockdowns and then suddenly we could do something so everyone wanted to organize events at the same time. So it was a bit of a weird environment to start with. Um, but at the end of the day, it yeah, it worked. Yeah, it's been amazing. And in fact, I think you got some good opportunities through COVID because, like, I know, was it with your candlelight events? They couldn't send the team from over east to host them in Perth or was it another yeah, event? So, that, so you were that was mostly for the corporate events I'm, I'm organising. Um, uh, a lot of people couldn't fly in to WA to do uh, the production and the coordination of their events. So they started to contract me to to do so and we created relationships this way. And now they're thinking, well, why even bothering to fly to Perth because I can have someone reliable there. <laughs> so, yeah, um, definitely see COVID um, as an opportunity right now um, if I look back rather than, you know, something dooming. And I, I, I totally yeah. understand that it's something uh, very lucky that we have there. Excellent. And when you say we, when you're talking about uh, Suzette Collective, you have a business partner. So how did you um, go into business? Was she your friend to start with or tell yeah, us a little true. bit about I'm, that I'm always very inclusive, so I always say we, even if sometimes I do think by myself. <laughs> uh, but I do have a business partner, Nelly, and um, we were friends before um, creating this company. Um, Nelly has some very, very uh, interesting skills that are also uh, complementary to mine. Um, so these allow us to 
work together very well because she would, for example, have a very, very good strategic um, angle on some aspects of the business. She will also have a very sort of um, admin and legal uh, background that, you know, can really help us decipher some documents or navigate through difficult, you know, challenges. And she's also a beautiful stylist. Uh, with an eye to details so when you produce event that's something that's really really good to have as a skill I'm not a stylist I can be a designer but I'm not a stylist at all (laughs) some people say that you shouldn't mix friendships with business did you were you worried at all about going into business with a friend Um, probably I would agree on that statement but for some reason it, it didn't really apply to us uh, for this business because we were just so on the same page about um, our view on things. Also, we are being French, both of us, we're very open-hearted and honest about, you know, when we're not happy about something or when we don't want something to go one way or another. So we we have those difficult conversations all the time. And, and we're a bit mm. like the yin and yang in terms of also balancing arguments and balancing our vision on different things. That's probably the key to your success, open communication, because I know that it's probably wrecked many businesses by not being upfront and honest about what they're doing. So hats off to you. So how do people find out about Suzette Collective? So it's been mostly word of mouth. Um, Obviously, the industry is very small. We're in a tiny city, Perth, (laughs) and um, the word goes around basically um we have a pretty uh, not up-to-date website um we are very late on updating people on our social media <laughs> so for people who are coming from a communication background it's really pretty poor um but having said that um we yes we we try to be very responsive with our uh, communication when it comes to client servicing so the the feedback that we get from our client is that they can trust us and I guess that's the word that goes around as well. Yeah you're establishing a good reputation Mm -hmm. for yourselves. So aside from organizing events and everything you also manage musicians could you tell us a little bit more about So we started first to uh, take bookings for musicians, so working a little bit more like a talent agency. We also were um, having exclusive booking agreements with some of the bands and the artists we were looking after, uh, which was an interesting experience. Um, However, it was taking a lot of our time and not always for the best results for the musicians. So um, we decided to... Uh, leave that part of the business and really focus on artist management instead which is a more 360 degree approach on the career of a musician rather than just administrating their bookings and um, this is basically leading them in their career trying to help them to make the best choice review some contracts when they get some um, making connections in the industry and when you're an artist manager you really have to pretty much live and breathe uh your artist um, every day <laughs> because um mm. it's yeah it's like you really believe in them you really believe that they, they the music that they have and the talent that they have can touch a lot of people mm. and how do you find these artists are there certain criteria that you look for when you're 
um, looking to collaborate with an artist or represent So there's different ways of looking at it. A lot of people come to me and to us at the moment because we've been um, viewed as artist managers. So they will come to us and just say, oh, can you be my manager? But that actually doesn't really work like that. What works is like if we listen to an artist or if we go and see this artist live, uh, we are going to be able straight away if we think that this sound can appeal to the masses or to specific niche of audiences and also it's not just about the sound it's about the presence on, the presence on stage and the um, drive that this artist has to be part of the music industry and live out of their own music Dri drive is a big mm. factor talent is a big factor because if you don't have the drive then you're not very um um, proactive and you're not really working on your craft uh, if you have the drive but you lack of talent this is really hard to get them to learn <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and is there a particular musical genre that you stick to or is it quite broad in terms of look the it is quite broad at the moment we're looking after uh, an artist called Quincy he's in the soul slash pop environment um, we're also looking after Alana Chapman who's a saxophonist and singer-songwriter she's more in the sort of neo-soul jazz kind of vibe and we also look after a young producer Calvin Bennett who's a beat maker and a melody maker and creates his own uh, music but also work with a lot of musicians either locally or internationally so he, he works in all different genres obviously there are genres that I might not adventure to because this is just maybe not the type of music I enjoy listening or maybe I don't know enough of this industry uh, for example um, let's just say um, if I was to go and watch a, a metal band playing, I might be attracted to the music, but I don't know anyone in this industry in particular. So there will be a lot of work for me to make new connections. So um, I'm, I'm mm. in general more in the easy listening genres. So being a musician yourself and now representing other musicians, do you have do you come from a musical background? Like was there was there lots of music in your family growing up? Uh, Yes, I wouldn't say there was like um, absolutely music everywhere, but my dad used to be um, a singer-songwriter in a band, a sort of Americana, 70s Nashville kind of sound. So I grew up with that sound, and um, my sister and I both um, studied um, music when we were young. So she went for piano, I went for guitar, we were both singing, um, and I carried on that for a little bit in my young adult years as well. Um, I was, you know, always either practicing the singing, the vocals, or um, I took again a little bit more of a jazz guitar courses when I was in my early 20s. And yeah, I believe that followed me through my love of music. Yeah. That's great. And in terms of like obviously the work that you do is so diverse, you're either organising events or representing musicians or maybe you've got gigs booked for your own performances. What is there a typical day in the life of Geraldine or is every day super varied? Absolutely. Every day is different. Every day is really, really different. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I guess that's what I like so much about it. Uh, I, I don't like any routine and um, I 
I've got that for sure. Uh, I can sometimes mm. start very early in the day, sometimes finish very late. Um, and sometimes I can fit in personal stuff in the middle of my day because I've got, you know, um, things early in the morning and late at night and nothing too much in the middle. Mm, absolutely. And would you say that your work is quite creative? Does it tap into your No, creat- my creativity? work on the day-to-day is absolutely not creative. My day-to-day work is responding <laughs> to email, formulating proposal, paying people, receiving money. Uh, <laughs> this is what an agent yeah and an event planner does uh, just and mean pretty much um, but we have some of those very creative days so when we're working on strategy for our artists that's going to be super creative when we talk about their content for their social media and try to come up with new ideas this is creative when I uh, work on my own music this is creative so I do have creative outlets that are attached to my activity uh, but the mostly the day-to-day is very admin boring typical business owner i think (laughs) until you run your own business and don't really understand how much uh admin work and there's a lot of and there's a lot of fantasy around that as well some people look at oh oh you're Mm. an artist manager i must be so cool yeah that's so cool (laughs) to you know manage um three different accounting system for three different artists Is there anywhere that you draw inspiration from where like, perhaps you're working on some new music or um, those strategy sessions that you're talking about? Is there anywhere you go for inspiration or even um, have you had a mentor in the past that sort of guided you when um, you've struggled with anything relating yeah, to your business? Yes, so I was uh, very lucky to be the recipient in 2020 of a, a mentorship program for women in the music industry. So I got a few um, courses uh, online that were very beneficial to my activity, but also um, got paired with a mentor who was an amazing guy. So um, Phil Stevens is the artist manager um, of Fremantle, and I'm putting brackets into the because he's the manager of John Butler originally. So... So oh, he has wow. a whole lot of experience and he's now managing, obviously, other bands such as Sensi School or Stella Donnelly. Um, so I had a few mentoring sessions with him, which were very fruitful and very insightful. Um, and I also tend to really catch up with a lot of people over the industry just to make sure that I'm always up to date um, or go to industry events. Um, for my own creative practice, I would say it's hard, it's very hard. Sing, songwriting is always coming from somewhere, I guess, from personal experience, but also things you see, things you read, things you listen to. Um, so yeah, I do I do enjoy that. Um, yeah, event management. Oh, I don't think I can do it. I could do it. It seems like there's so many moving parts and there's things that can change at the last minute. And sometimes it seems like it's quite a stressful industry to be a part of. How do you manage the the workload and the stress of, has anything ever gone wrong in when an event you've hosted and how have okay, you Okay, so there's it? quite a lot in your question. Um, <laughs> Sorry. But I'm so curious yeah, about I it I love all. those multiple uh, multiple entries questions um well 
I can't remember really something that went super wrong in an event. Or maybe something that was a bit funny is that, so when we create, when we put together, for example, an outdoor festival, you always want to have a sort of green room for the artists, which is a room that was, uh, that is um, not, the public can't see so people can get ready basically can get changed or can just do their own little vocal warm-ups or things like this and um, I had supplied uh, to the people uh, in charge of the logistics uh, at the French festival the map of how I wanted that green room to be fenced and to be organized and I remember arriving in the morning on site <laughs> Thank God, quite early, so we could reconfigure. But with the green room being completely the opposite way around, opposite, and just literally facing the public, so that was really interesting because <laughs> you know if we would have left it this way, then the artist would have been pretty much getting changed in front of the audience. Uh, so those little things like this uh, can be a bit stressful, but you, you just need to to be solution driven. I think that's the key. Um, I'm someone that can be really stressed by little things in life, um, if especially if it taps in my emotional brain. Um, however, when it is um, stress that can be resolved by, uh, simply by solutions or problem solving, I I tend to be quite chilled and just to think about okay, this if plan A doesn't work, we have a plan B and a plan C basically. Is there like a favorite event that you've worked on in the past or favorite type of event like corporate or is anything well, I'm you prefer? Really, uh, one of my thing is to curate entertainment. I really like that. And I got the pleasure to start working with the East Fremantle George Street Festival last year and working again with them this year. So this has been a great experience because you basically are given a brief a budget and you can create from a blank canvas um, an entertainment uh, planning and program. So that's that's one of my favorite activity. Oh, that's so fun. And um, for those kinds of events, do you have to make sure that you cater for a wide range of people or is it mainly family? This type of event is particularly family focused. However, this is a big thing mm. for me as well to make sure that the lineup is as diverse as possible. Uh, so those are really topics that um, I'm interested in, uh, making sure there's diversity, equity and safety in all the events that we organize. Um, sometimes um, you work with clients or people that don't always understand what it what it, may, what it means, um, but I try to do as much education as possible in, the, in that area. Mm. Has it got h- harder since COVID? Like is there a lot more safety... Uh, hoops that you've got to jump through to satisfy um, regulation uh, or not, how's that not really not really um, I guess as soon as there is a legal license involved there's a little bit more involved in terms of you know uh, governance mm. for safety um, but uh, COVID mm. not that much I mean we we have obviously some mm. good practices in WA in place uh, but it's it, it didn't really add too much to the workload. So aside from creating an event, an entertainment event from a blank canvas, is there something else that you love the most about what it is oh, you do? Um, yeah, I, I like creating from blank canvas for sure. I do enjoy discovering new musicians. I'm very excited when I've got a new one that I'm listening to or I get 
send music directly to my email and listen to listening to them and just say oh well that's great um so this uh, yeah this is something i really enjoy doing doesn't mean that i'm necessarily going to be working with them or being able to help them in any way but it's part of my role to always have an ear out and listen to what's happening in the industry so I, I really enjoy that. Actually, it was funny because the other day I was on the freeway going back home and I was driving behind a uh, a car that had a really, really, um, not badly, but very quickly written sign at the back saying, you know, my new my new single is out, check me out, Spotify, <laughs> that kind of thing. So I really made a point to drive all the way to the car to make sure I could remember the name and i put the music straight away on into into the car so i could listen to it so that was that was a cool way of saying hey i'm listening to someone who i just you know uh took over yeah that is cool well, yeah good. that was actually a previous contestant from the voice i think so yeah, yeah, yeah. oh wow cool uh, Wow, maybe you'll represent one know. day. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at school capacity right now. <laughs> what does representing an artist involve? Is it about booking gigs and getting their name? Yeah, out there more? well, they, what, they, what they're looking at guidance for their career. So uh, it's it's a very blurry space because, um, and it's something that's been really discussed um, last week at the in- National Industry event I went to. We had a whole panel we could listen to that was about sustainable relationships between an artist and their manager. Um, the standard industry rate for representing an artist is that we take 20% of their um, music income. Uh, the, so that can be um, the music royalties they get from their recordings or live music. Um, that could be from their booking fees. That could be from any other um, sync. Uh, sync is when you match the music to um, a film or a TV show, for example. So you get also a payment for that. Um, so yes, 20%. If, you, if you're working with an emerging artist, it's not that much. So it's hard to draw the line on what other things we should be doing for the artist and we have to do it contractually and the things that you'd like to do as well to just give them a little push uh, for their career. Um, And that can include organizing a photo shoot, that can include um, helping them to post on their social media, that can include simply just paying uh, the musicians and making sure they get paid for their gigs, making sure to record their 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 tracks to um, the, to APRA and PPCA, um, all that kind of thing. But also, most generally, trying to find them publishing deals, maybe a label that want to work with them, a distributor. There's a lot involved. And do artists make more money from gigs or more money from sales? Uh, artists. Uh, artists don't make depend. much money unless they're big, unless no. unless they're big. Sorry, I'm married to make it really big. Really <laughs> <laughs> I always need another job. It's my full-time career. <laughs> um, music artists really, uh, it really depends on what type of musicians they are. Uh, some artists are actually doing a lot of gigs, though they will draw a little bit more income from playing. Uh, some other artists make more money from the sales and streaming of their music online because they're more of a recording artist and some of them will have a nice balance. So it really depends. Actually, there's a local Perth artist that I follow a lot called oh, Jessie yes, Gordon. Know. Do you know Lovely. her? 
Yeah, yeah. She's brilliant. I think she's full-time, but um, she does so many shows, multiple shows a week. But uh, she's she's got a Patreon, so people pay uh, like a monthly fee and they get her latest music and um, I thought that was quite innovative. Yes, I mean, crowdfunding and, and um, creating those little community around your act is definitely a way of doing it as well. Uh, some people use platforms mm-hmm. like patrons, uh, but some people also do it naturally mm-hmm. in a different way. Um, but uh, Jessie Gordon is definitely a fantastic uh, Perth artist. I love her style and, and freshness and vibrance. Mm-hmm. She's got a great yeah. state yeah, presence, she doesn't she? Yeah. <laughs> I should try and get her on the podcast. Oh, she will be an amazing uh, guest, I'm sure. <laughs> she would, wouldn't she? <laughs> so, I mean, I asked you whether there were any musicians in your family, but um, what about entrepreneurship? Have there been many, did your parents own their own businesses? So, or? again, my dad. Um, <laughs> it's funny how we always take, you know, more of a one side of the parents. Uh, so um, <laughs> my dad was a teacher, but also decided to create his own business when I was maybe eight or ten. So I got really a good idea of what entrepreneurship was because it was literally at that time, I don't know, I'm not 100% sure how you say that in English, but I think it was mail order. Yeah, so people were getting a catalog of things that he was selling and you will just mail order on them. Um, and then it went obviously onto the web once the web was a bit more um, generic and that really showed me how you can build a business from scratch and um, I really enjoyed working with him I was working pretty much every time I had a bit of free time I was helping him oh that's so cool so have you always been self-employed? No, no, I've worked with worked agencies with uh, in the communication space. Mm. So when I was uh, in Paris after finishing my studies, I was working in a digital agency there. Then when I got to Australia, I got sponsored uh, to actually build a digital agency here in Perth. So I I, I was definitely, you know, an employee and I, was, um, I did all sorts mm. of roles, um, including... Um, yeah including some management as well so I was really I liked I liked this time but I'm also a very independent person and I love making connections so the self-employment was also a great way for me to develop my career what do, what do you find the most challenging thing about running your own business it's accountability um, that's that's mm. why I'm glad I have a business partner because we, it's easy for our, each other to keep ourselves accountable. Um, but it's, yeah, it's not so much the to be dedicated to what you have to do every day because there's absolutely no choice whatsoever. Uh, but I, what I struggle with, just like any other person, is procrastination on larger projects, the projects that you have in your mind that you'd like to be doing and that you can't get started because you are on a day-to-day task. How do you make time for those bigger projects? Because I know personally that's something, like at the moment I'm trying to redo my own website and I guess that's a big project that I'm procrastinating on. How do you uh, carve out time for those? The only way I've managed to do anything big uh, after procrastinating for a while was uh, in breaking down tasks, breaking down to tiny little tasks so it's just about the, it's just about the bit planning uh planning bit mm. by bit and then i can get started if i if i see too much of a mountain in front of me um i'm just thinking well i, I can't even get two hours in front of me to even get started so 
Yeah, it's intimidating. Uh, but sometimes as well, just being, um, you know, um, on your desk, on your computer, putting putting a nice music on or a podcast. I'm big on podcasts as well. And then, um, uh, you know, put your headphones on and just block any other kind of communication because this is really disrupting to receive, mm. you know, 20 emails an hour. It's really disrupting. And um, what about in the event, events industry? Because obviously you might have, you know, a huge event and then nothing for a little while. Do you ever worry about getting recurring income? And making your income stream steady? Um, I'm, I guess I'm so used. I've been self-employed now for more than seven years, eight years. I'm so used to it that it's not so much of a of a worry. I've got a system. I've got actually really great tools. I'm using uh, – can I name some tools on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, go for it. So, so lately yeah. I've been using first a um, task management and project management, but the, the easiest one to, that you can get, but it's a free one, is called Get Plan. Um, okay. And oh, that's one of that the one. only tools I found can actually sync to your Google Calendar. Uh, so I can see my oh. task, I can see my calendar of the day, and I can do subtask and all that kind of thing. But without it, yeah, it's, and it's free. free. And without it to be complicated as well, I can, like, in one go, I can see everything. I mean, the way I have set it up really works for me. Um, and the second tool right. that is really useful in my personal and professional life, and for the artist I'm using it as well, is you need a budget. Um, which is really okay. when you have a not steady income is really fantastic because um, you, you you can forward plan so much easier what you've got already and what's coming mm. and all that kind of thing. Mm. So does that connect to your invoicing? No, it's not connecting that- at all. I'm using the basic uh, accounting software for Australia when it comes to, to invoicing and all that kind of thing. But um you only need a budget simply for budgeting. I can, imp- I can, yeah, so and I can import management. all the transactions yeah. directly from the bank feed. It's, I mean, oh, I can, wow, I can easily make it work. But it's really a, a fantastic tool to have a peace of mind in that area. Wow, that's amazing. That's great. So, how much of your time would you say you spend in front of your laptop versus out out and about um, and face to face with it's artists? Fifty-fifty, or- I guess. Um, because you would have some yeah. some days in the week where you will be totally at one event the whole day and you don't really have time to do anything on your laptop. And some other some mm-hmm. other days, <clears throat> like today, for example, I'll be in front of my laptop all day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How does it feel when you put on a ma- like an amazing event and you walk around and you can see so many people enjoying themselves? And, I mean, I've been to one of your events before and they're so, so good, like, unlike anything I've experienced. Um, is it, what's the kind of, like, do you get a huge buzz out of seeing of people course, enjoy themselves? Of course, this is a huge reward to see the big smile on people's face. Um, but I guess when you're in the action, um, you don't really think about that straight away. You're more thinking about how how things are running and if everyone is okay and if people are doing the thing they should be doing if uh, they're employed at that event. And, yeah, so you really you're really within the action when when you're at the event i think it's more the day after or when you come back home that you realize oh that was cool that was you know everything went well in a debrief yeah (laughs) oh there's actually a great anecdote about an event as well um a funny one uh we had um a new york 
themed event that we run last year for an agency and um, it was on a rooftop and a really cool vibe we had a dj you know that was spinning some really old school sort of new york tracks and beautiful we had as well um planned to have a living statue coming and obviously obviously she was going to do the Statue of Liberty, yeah, Statue of Liberty. and it was all right <laughs> until she actually told us that she forgot the torch, you know, what she's actually holding in her hand. So we had to find a solution, and thank God this this time we had um, uh, at the bar some Peroni beers. So we said, well, you're going to hold the Peroni beer <laughs> because it was green. <laughs> And it worked. It worked well because every single person wanted to take a shot with her because it was so hilarious that she was holding a beer. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Well done for thinking outside. So, so what's next for Suzette Collective? Do you have um, much planned, and what are your goals for the next few? Years? So, ideally, we really want to be focusing on. Um, what we do best so uh, focusing obviously on developing our artists and making sure they uh, they move towards a sustainable um, activity um, we also want to make sure that we work on events that we enjoy crafting um, so it's probably the dream of a lot of people in this space but Ideally, we want to stay away of the more, you know, seminar, conference and a bit more boring kind of event, even though, you know, it can be a great bread and butter for business. But we, um, the way we excel is more on the sort of creative and party uh, side of things. So we'd love to be a little bit more picky on what we, we get as project and um, probably moving towards uh, the touring space as well. So helping either Australian bands and acts to tour to Europe and France and vice versa to have French acts coming to Australia. But this this is a very exciting space, but this is also a very scary space that requires a lot of legs and a lot of um, backups financially uh, because it's a bit more risky Mm. as well. Mm, yeah, sure. So what, what advice would you give to someone who was interested in going into the entertainment industry or starting their own business? Well, uh, one of my advice is to have uh, to be as healthy as possible, to have lots of energy <laughs> because you're going to need it. <laughs> you need a lot of energy, you, know, you need a lot of um, attention to and dedication, basically. Um, this is a, a long haul um, practice, basically. You, you you have to be resilient in a lot of areas of your business. Um, so if you're more an entertainer, you need to have a, a drive for whatever you do. You want to make sure that that is your priority in life. Um, if you are more on the event planning side of thing and you're interested in running events, um, it's definitely to focus on uh, problem solving rather than yeah, just r- rather than just being on the planning side. Good advice. Yeah, self care is important to make sure you're looking after yourself because if you're, you know, if you're 
not looking after yourself, that's when you can run into some trouble if you get really run down yeah. or burnt out. A lot of people, yeah, as, a lot of people working common. in the music or event space are also out uh, very often, especially this time of the year. It's going to get crazy. Mm. I'm going to be out of uh, my place pretty much every evening. Um, it's very tempting as well to uh, accept some drinks uh, every night and um, not saying that you shouldn't, but... Um, It can be, if you do that every day and in a non-controllable way, it can be very um, heavy on your energy to function the next day and the rest of the week. Mm. Yeah, that's definitely good advice. That's something that I probably should be reminded of as well. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, whenever I'm at a work event, I can't help but have a glass of wine. But, uh, yeah, the next day it's often harder to get out of bed. That's certainly true. <laughs> it's tempting. It's tempting. Oh, so tempting, yeah. I'm a bit of a sucker when it comes to wine. I'm sure you are too, being fresh. I, I am, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know I'm not alone. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I really enjoyed our chat. And, um, yeah, I hope you – I wish you all the best with Suzette Collective. I know you absolutely continue to nail your goals. Well, so thank you well so done. much, Cameron. really enjoyed our chat as well. So that was, uh, that was a really good and fun experience. <laughs> thank you. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. If you want to follow Geraldine, you can catch her on Instagram at Suzette underscore collective or head to our website, Suzette, that's S-U-Z-E-T-T-E collective.com. Until next time, here's to going all in on your creative pursuits. Thank you for listening to the Committed Creative Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and learned at least one thing that will help you stay on the creative path. If you liked it, please subscribe as there's plenty more to come. And we'd love it if you could leave us a review if you found the podcast worthwhile. And if you didn't, please send us your feedback. We're all ears. You can check us out online at redplatypuscreative.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at redplatypuscreative. Remember, you are not alone in your creativity and you can make money from your creative pursuits. See you next time when we speak to another creative mind that's committed to making their way work. Here's to going all in and becoming a committed creative.